Welcome to Night Shift. I'm Eric Lopez alongside Kyle Nash, Bryce Turner, Nick Porcelli. Coming up, we're going to break down UCF hosting Oklahoma State. We're 15 ranked Cowboys. Do the Knights have a shot at pulling off the upset and perhaps salvaging the season? Will they break that down? Plus, the basketball season is underway, both for the men and the women. What did we learn from the openers, if anything? Men's soccer with a plummeting, crushing loss, eliminating the Sunbelt Tournament. We'll break down what that means for them on Selection Monday. Plus, as well, volleyball with a critical week for them uh, and much more. Plus, Hall of Fame weekend going on uh, at UCF. So, busy time. Let's get to it. Of course, you know how to follow us. Go to our podcast feed as well as uh, go to blackandgoldbetterit.com for all the articles and much more. But let's get to it here. Well, Eric Mr. Lopez, I don't mean to cut you in, but you got to mention Nick Nick debuting, covering the hoops. This I know. He, he's locked in. Uh, he's very locked in on that. He was there for both. He did a double dip. So mm-hmm. we'll get into that in a little bit. But I, obviously, let's start with football. Big football game this Saturday. The Knights. Beating, uh, playing Oklahoma State, coming off a win against Cincinnati. And we addressed that on night shift on the postgame <laughs> show. Just, I mean, the Cincinnati's awful. Let's oh, not even. <laughs> the question now, though, Kyle, UCF has an opportunity to go for a win against a real Big 12 opponent, mm-hmm. a legacy program, an Oklahoma State team that has turned their season around. They're coming off a win against Bedlam, and now the Cowboys if they were to win out, would play for the Big 12 championship game. They are led by the nation's leading running back in Ali Gordon II, who leads the country in rushing yards in college football. So, Kyle, I guess my question to you is, how do you feel about the Knights go- and chances going into this game against Oklahoma State, a game where Vegas thinks it's going to be a good game, depending where you look. Oklahoma State only favored by one to three points, despite the fact that UCF still in the bottom four in the country in rushing yards allowed and going up against the nation's leading rusher. Well, you better bet the fact that they were close against the Sooners. I mean, they had a chance to beat them sooner than the Cowboys did. See what I did there? Uh, but unfortunately, tanked it. Hey, listen, if that two-point conversion didn't go awry, you'd be like that joke a lot more, Nick Porcelli, hater. Anyways, no, but uh, listen, with all that in mind, um, I I think that's certainly a big part of it, right? I think the wise guys and the public alike are both influenced by the fact that the Sawcocker struggled the way that he did. And listen, I suppose I owe the Oklahoma State Cowboys, as coached uh, in part uh, by former UCF center and graduate assistant for the O-line, Jordan Johnson, um, I I did not appreciate them being in the top 25 in the first CFP drop. And then they go out and do what they did to the Sooners. So here's a nice bag of shut it. Um, And I, here I am choking on the mullet. That is Mike Gundy, right? Um, No, but I I say all that to say this, it's very interesting and fascinating. You come out um, slamming Cincinnati and rightly so Eric Lopez, but I believe that's the model for if UCF is to win this football game, it's going to look something like that, meaning you're ever famous and typically all things being equal trend of predicting the rushing yard um, being an indicator of who's going to win the football game. I don't think so. I think Ollie's, Ollie Gordon's going to get his because he's an awesome talent, um, but it's going to come down to the defense reducing things to the field goals, making key stops, getting at least a turnover, the offense 
conversely not doing that and having something better than 165 yards in the air on 13 for 23. No disrespect to John Rice Plumley. I don't think he's the only reason that that was the case. Um, but they're going to need a little bit more balance in the air attack. And R.J. Harvey getting a fifth straight 100-yard game behind this completely underappreciated offensive line is certainly a factor. And by the way, listen, Coach Addison Williams, I don't think you've been doing a bad job as a rookie coach. You don't have a linebacker core. Guys transferred. Eric Lopez has mentioned that at length, and rightly so. But be aggressive here. Get the DBs involved up front. Do it how you did it against Oklahoma, right? Maybe you make some things where you bail out every now and again, but do your best to take away what they do best and let the quarterback beat you over the top. And even if he does, the offense gets the ball back quicker. You have more time to recover, and as does the defense, have more time to rest. Well, I'll get to Bryce and Nick. I want you guys to talk about some of the other Oklahoma State key players on the team because they've got a quarterback they've settled on. But I want to ask you this, Kyle, by the uh, something I found out about the Cowboys in watching Bedlam. And they said that the thing that turned their season around, they lost to South Alabama. They looked like they were in disarray. A lot of people saying Mike Gundy out of touch, mm -hmm. you know, NIL and all, no, no NIL, et cetera, et cetera. And from what I read was okay, during their bye week, Oklahoma State, which traditionally has been a zone scheme blocking team, changed to a gap scheme, which has really helped Ollie Gordon. Ollie Gordon did not play much of the first three games, but he's more of a gap runner than a, uh, a zone scheme runner. And that seems to have changed the Cowboys season around. Talk about that. How, how common is that? How rare is that for a team to change their scheme completely during the season like that? Because that has worked for Oklahoma State. Their center uh, apparently has been a big key into this. He's had a great year for them as far as the, the gap blocking. Kind of explain the technique and why that has been the difference maker for Oklahoma State. What can UCF do against that? Well, first of all, good on you, Eric, for giving the center credit because if you're completely flipping your scheme like that, it has to be a guy that's intelligent up front. A zone scheme, basically, just so everybody knows, means – it's more about the offensive lineman making a read and having kind of a set set of rules and then making a decision to block based on what's in front of them. Gap means I am opening this section or I am attacking this man, and no matter what happens, I'm not deviating, um, which also speaks to how much they trust Ollie Gordon because if you stack the right defense up front, you crush the correct gap. And he's still attacking it. You're you're relying on him to either bust through it, which maybe you haven't aligned that good. I haven't had enough time to uh, check out uh, much film on the Cowboys this year. Uh, they could be something where, like Kansas State, they can battle up front and compete. Um, certainly, we saw that against Oklahoma for both UCF and OK State, <clears throat> especially once uh, UCF stopped trying to run traps and leave the outside vulnerable, right? But um, yeah, with, with all that, uh, I, I, but as for what kind of volume that is to switch the scheme there outright, that, that kind of change is, is a lot for your offensive line to take in. But that also tells me how desperate Oklahoma State was at that point, too. They were struggling against a West Virginia and, and, and all that sort of, uh, they, 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 let's just put it this way, Oklahoma State early in the season Looked like one of the six games that was going to be a win. I certainly picked him. I was very unfriendly to the state of Oklahoma, apparently, in the preseason leading up to all this. But, I mean, as far as all that, that's 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 kind of 
the big change between uh, zone, gap scheme, and making all of that work. But, I mean, as far as, you know, any other threats, uh, um, uh, Nick, Nick or Bryson, I'll throw it to you. Is there something else that you think jumps out that uh, we haven't touched on yet? Well, look, I took a look comparing both teams statistically, and I looked at rushing defense because that's been something that's really been keeping a track. Now, UCF is currently coming in to this one ranked number 127 in the country in rushing defense, 14th in the Big 12. Oklahoma State is 95th in the country and 11th in the, in the Big 12. Certain, so certainly better than UCF, but not necessarily the best rushing defense out there. Meanwhile, you, you look at team passing efficiency defense. Now, this is interesting. So UCF is 32nd in the country in team passing efficiency defense and 5th in the Big 12. Oklahoma State is 99th in the country and 12 in the big 12 in that same statistic. The point I'm, I think that I think that maybe I, we could extrapolate from this. I, I think is that I think these teams are going to run all over each other. Both, both of them. I think RJ Harvey and Ollie Gordon are going to have a field day. Maybe even Johnny Richardson, get him in, in on the action too. But I think what's going to end up happening is yes, the defense is going to play an important part a part Kyle Nash, but I actually think it might end up coming down to what are you going to do when you have to pass the ball? And if if, UCF, if the UCF defense can stop Oklahoma State's passing attack and, and limit them to field goals, like you've been saying, then I think we could potentially see UCF take advantage on their passing attack. because uh, passing attack, And I think that passing attack could potentially make a difference in this one from an offensive perspective. Yeah, and I think I touched on that lightly, but uh, Nick, what do you th- what do you think UCF would have to do to actually make an air attack more viable? Um, certainly, uh, at least than it was uh, against Cincinnati. Hmm. O line's got to give JRP a little more time. Uh, I'd like to see a little less drops from the receivers, but I don't. Know. Ultimately, I'm with Bryson. This is going to be a. I'm expecting a running back stool. That's really what it's come going to come down to. And I mean, I know he said you, you expect to see a little bit Johnny Richardson. If he's healthy, hell, we might just see a little bit more of John Rice Plumley running. He was running a l- little bit more in the Cincinnati game. Mm-hmm. A lot better than he had in the past week. Still not his uh, at his best, but he's getting there. But the one thing I think we we are forgetting to talk about is my friends coming into this game. UCF has history on our side because this is no ordinary game. No, no, no. This is a space game. <laughs> they never lost on the space game. Well, very, yeah, it's some point where everybody probably talk uniforms whether we want to or not. But it's interesting. You bring up the O-line trying to give John Rice Plumley more time. I, I get that, even though he was not sacked in the previous game. No. But we've also cited JRP's inability to read the blitz being problematic in its own right. That being said, having time is important to find the target and get a good pass out. I get all of that. I'm not here to tell you the offensive line is perfect, but um, I'm not going to go full. Are you high? But I don't know that that would be the top concern I have. That's um, not my concern. I'm just saying that's what they need to like, you know, you know, obviously to succeed with the pass. Oh, yeah. like, Oklahoma State is a much tougher when it comes to rushing the quarterback than a Cincinnati was. I know that we're, by the way, I know that we're talking about uh, like Ollie Gordon leading this Oklahoma State offense, but let's not forget on the other side of the ball, Oklahoma State has a has a has a guy by the name of Nicholas Martin hmm. over on that over on that side of the ball. Dude is is sixth in the Big Twelve in sacks. He in sacks. He's twentieth in the country in solo tackles. Twenty fourth in the country in tackles for loss. Fourth in the Big Twelve, and he leads the Big Twelve 
in total tackles. So if I'm that UCF offensive line, Kyle Nash, I think you want to make sure you highlight Nicholas Martin and, and say, do not let him get past that line of scrimmage or do not let him get within like a few feet of John Rice Plumley. Well, and I think a great way to prevent that from happening too is getting RJ Harvey involved. Certainly. I don't know that this is a team that I come out throwing against. Like I said last week, it should be done against Cincy or even against Oklahoma and in, in o- against Oklahoma. They chose to do what it worked um, against Cincy. They didn't so much, but the first big drive after uh, the pass interference extended um, what it was, I should say the first scoring drive. Um, then they got the pass involved and that completed uh, what, what had the, uh, the first lead, I believe it was the first lead for the Knights on the night. So uh, I, yeah, I mean, no, of course not. Of course, of course, I I understand that, uh, Kyle. But what I, I what I what I kind of was getting at is you come out running the ball, but the problem is is that when you have two talented running backs that both of these teams have with R.J. Harvey and Ollie Gordon, you have the potentiality of having both their talents essentially canceling each other out, mm-hmm. which means it elevates the importance of those passing plays, even though they might be less plentiful to find that it could elevate their imp- importance when it comes to when, when it comes to that, because even though there are less plays, it me- they could potentially have a bigger impact when the running backs are canceling each other out, essentially. Right. You are Bryson Turner, but here's what I'm saying. The way you make a guy like that, who's so dangerous rushing the passer and is a guy you, you said he was a defensive end, correct? Nicholas Martin, I just, I just said he was leading in, tack- in tackles. It doesn't say his position. Okay. Well, I, what, what I have up right now does not say his I'll, position. I'll find, I'll find his position. I'll put it this way. The numbers you gave me made him sound like an edge guy. And the way you make edge guys change their mind, you run past him a few times when they over-pursue. Linebacker. Linebacker. Okay, that's an edge guy if I heard it. There you go. So, And, and maybe he's coming in through the middle. I don't know. But, hey, that's – I'll put it this way. If he's in the interior – him versus Lokahi Paoli, that's a win for UCF in my mind. That should be a block that he handles in the run game should Lokahi get to the second level and handle that business. Um, for my money, that's going to be, you know, if he's blitzing interior, that's obviously the interior of the O-line battling. That's fine. If they're using him on the edge to get involved, you uh, put him in pres- uh, positions to over-pursue and get him frustrated. That's how you cancel out a guy like that. Not to mention R.J. Harvey in his own right has been fantastic in protection this year, throughout the year. Um, so I like that. Also a key battle there too, Bryson Turner, the great Alec Holler, great blocking anyway. Uh, may not be involved much of the past game, but he, he that battle in, in the uh, second level to get him involved, to try to get some bigger plays some gash plays what was it it was it was i i forget the exact number but there was something like eight plays for 10 yards by rj harvey against the bearcats huge deal there uh gashing runs is is, is i mean big places have always has always been the kind of the hallmark of a gus miles on team whether he's calling the plays or darren hinshaw is but time and again in pressers with coach i've i've heard listen you know, we want to get big plays, um, big plays. You're more likely to get touchdowns. The number of times I've heard coach say that in his tenure here, um, it's been consistent enough to know that that's, that's certainly a big part of the mentality. Yeah. Um, Meanwhile, on the other side, I wanted to address something on the other side, as far as uh, from Ollie Gordon, if you're going to try to limit Ollie Gordon, I don't, th- I don't know if you can have any two players better to do that than Tremont Morris Brash on the, on the line. And then Jason Johnson, 
in the linebacker. Jason Johnson, second in the Big 12 in solo tackles. And then Tremont Morris Brash leads the Big 12 and second in the country, according to what I'm seeing right here on the as stats.ncaa.org. He's second in the country in tackles for loss for Tremont Morris Brash. So I think if you're going to, to limit Ollie Gordon, you're really going to need to kind of assign him, to, I think, to either that. Like Tremont, you get him, it, you, you try to get him right away. If he gets through you, Jason, Jason, go get him. You know what I mean? Um. Sort of. I think I think when you're attack, when you're trying to take a weapon like that, obviously those two are going to be a huge part of the equation. I, I'm not negating that. But I, I think really when especially when you're attacking a gap scheme like that, right? It's going to be about making sure all the I's are dotted and T's are crossed to keep him out of space as much as possible. Um, Brash is awesome. There's a reason why he leads UCF in sacks, and I think he's, if not the top, among the top in the conference. Um what is it eight and a half that he has so far um I, I think his biggest impact is just going to be to set that edge that part's accurate it's not going to be about him tackling so much as making it easier for the uh, linebackers behind him to clean up i too have to put this as a huge uh a burden on the uh defensive tackles as well right the interior guys who throughout the year have been doing uh, their job very well need to continue to keep that outside bottled up because when they try to hand the ball to Ollie Gordon and they go up the middle, getting those TFLs, assuring no gains, assuring losses, making them pay for daring to try to keep everybody honest um, and from their splits getting too wide up front, you know, that's, that's, they need, they, th this game is more important than any other simply because the presence of Ollie Gordon. Um, Eric Lopez, uh, let me ask you this, bud. It's the space game. I know we don't have any of our uniform experts in Thank either. God, which, yeah, thank God. Yeah, that's fine. But um, I believe you share my opinion in that the uh, design department for the space game is confused about which Power 5 conference we joined. Are you of that same opinion? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Very much, yes. Can anybody defend the powder blue? Because I can't. I'm sorry. I Okay, I'll, I'll I'll step up to the plate. I'll fall on the sword. I feel like that the Canaveral blue. It honestly, I didn't think I'd appreciate it as a main color in a uniform. Like it's normally been a little more of a side accent type of thing. But I'll tell you what. I don't know if it was a different. It. I don't know. I think with this version of white, like with the white numbers and the the white numbers, the specific font, and the, I think the space U. I think the fact that it's space U is a and not just citronaut i think citronaut is a little more of a of a black with a with a canaveral blue accent i think space u is a much more like you know canaveral blue main color kind of kind of brand and i really appreciate and i and I, I quite like these uniforms i don't know if they're my favorite i don't think i don't know if they're my favorite but I do – let's put it this way. Considering where the uniform design department has been this year and that they've had the gold letters on a white uniform, this is an improvement over that. Let's put it that way. I want to jump in and out. So, like, I'm kind of in the middle. Sorry, Nick. Go ahead. I'm kind of in the middle. Here's the thing. If you were to just show me these uniforms and not say they're space uniform and just, like, say here's a regular uniform design, they're kind of – I kind of like them. You know, I'm a powder. I'm a, I'm a sucker for powder blue. You know what I mean? They're kind of nice. That being said, as a space uniform game, or uniform, no. Like, really look at the uniform. What is on that that really says 
space uni- like space game. All they really did was like say space you and stick a little rocket on the collar. That's it. Show I mean, me, look, tell me, huh? That's what yeah, you're looking for? Yeah, like, look, no, look at some of the ones that have passed. It was cool. They put constellations on it and stuff. Like, they really went creative. This is just they took a powder blue uniform and just stuck one thing on it and said, see, it's space. It's fine. Like, come on. We've been so creative with this in the past. Go all out. Yeah. I, That's I, all I, I'm asking for. But, I, like. I think lazy has been said by some of our other uniform purists. By the way, Bryson, very difficult for you to fall on the sword here when you're talking about the Citronauts and not the Knights. Anyway, <laughs> so well, I had to make the dad joke. Well, it's <laughs> worth pointing, it is worth pointing out they have re-signed with Nike uh, hmm. yeah. that extension. So we'll see. Maybe they'll uh, – we'll see what the future holds when it comes to the gear. Well, one has to think that that being in flux was part of the issue. That's a good point, Eric Lopez. Money does rule, after all, no matter whether we're complaining about powder blue or not. Green was an impact nonetheless. Um, no, I, I think I think I'll put it this way. And and listen, I appreciate you putting on your tar heels to uh, stand in for the North Carolina colors. See what I did there? Um, but um, yeah, no, uh, not not great, Bob. Of course, I, I I feel I feel guilty doing this without Jeff Sharon, the true Canaveral blue apologist of this panel, to step in and try to convince me poorly that this is a worthwhile uniform effort. But, hey, I happen to have the mic. I'm just excited that we have a the, there will be a national broadcast team on site. I mean, we got Let's Mike Monaco, RG3, Kyle, is going to be in the press box. Hello. He's Chris a good Martin, so I, I am a fan. I, I also – I'll have to resist the urge to tell him that it was Shanahan's fault that his career got ruined, but that that's a me problem, you know. Wow. I, mean, I said it! No. If anything, he's found a great second career as a broadcaster. I honestly feel that RG3 is good, could potentially end up being one of those football figures that, that could be remembered more from their broadcasting career than their football one, or maybe a, a equally so, because RG no, really has a personality. It's gonna be hard to do. You want a Heisman? That's gonna be pretty hard to forget his football career. Um, well, it, not forget, but I think his broadcasting career. Like people will know him as much as a broadcaster, as much as a football player, maybe uh, even more so. I think. I think it, it's gonna be even. Just I don't know. When you win the Heisman, it's kind of hard to forget you played football. I mean that you uh did that you play football before becoming a broadcaster but that's just me who knows but think about like the casual football fan like how many of them really know the the major history of the heisman trophy for as far as just a cat they'll probably, they'll probably say i'm whoever joined by former heisman trophy winner robert griffin the third every broadcast so they'll keep reminding us they'll beat it into our head but i don't know <laughs> I, I is this is this is this is this the children's first lightsaber duel together, Eric Lopez? I'm so I, proud. I think so. This is we've we've trained him very well uh, on that. All right. Look, look, this is all we got to say with the football game. This is basically our second chance with the Oklahoma thing. Remember what we were saying then? We're not having that great of a year. You win this, the whole conversation changes. We get a chance. It salvages to the season. Game. It salvages the season. It gives exactly. you your positive moment of the year. Yeah, it, that, uh, gives you a signature win in the conference with all due respect to Cincinnati. Nobody cares. Uh, they stink. I mean, and no, nobody cares. We beat an Emory Jones led team. Like you and Mark that. Moses both need a hug. Eric. Oh, let's also not forget that this also, I think, lessens the pressure of delivering on the road in Lubbock. Because oh, hundred percent too. You got bowl eligibility at the end of the day, gentlemen, is is the end goal here. And mm-hmm. if we and a win against Oklahoma State will be a lot less pressure on the team to go into Lubbock and get a win. Now, certainly, it will be great. T- 
tough, but it was tough. But you know, say you lose that game, you come back home to end the regular season against Houston, which looks like a very which which we beat Cincinnati. So if we if say we beat the, our other fellow former AAC team, that's bowl eligibility right there. Mm-hmm. So th- this game is a could end up really determining. I think the legacy potentially could it could end up determining the 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 legacy of this season if we win then then it's still alive to be a, a, then it's still alive to be looked back as a relatively successful first season in the big 12 oh i wouldn't say successful i would just well, say getting bowl eligibility is a good stop. thing we all on this panel you included eric lopez in the preseason said bowl eligibility the first year in Power Five. Yeah, but that I, I said, yeah, that's fine. But I, I'm not going to celebrate a six and six year for crying out loud. I mean, well, no, you actually said not- word for word, I'll be happy with a six with a six and six bowl eligible season. You said that. Well, no, I said eight, I said eight wins. There's I wanted a, eight wins. He, he, there was a bit of flip flopping by you there. In, in fairness, I said me. they can win eight what games. Want, this was a very manageable schedule. Now is six. <laughs> all, all I'm saying is. Six and six is fine, but I'm not gonna let's not throw a parade. Like right. I'm asking for that much success. I would also, too, in your defense, Eric Lopez, you made the point about eight wins back before or back when the starting quarterback was starting okay. a majority of the games and playing yeah. through a majority of the games. Plus, I didn't anticipate blowing a 28-point lead at home. Oh, an accurate point, Eric Lopez. I mean, listen, right. what could have been be it, and I'm, I'm going to talk over Nick because I know he's going to lash out. I just want him to hug a pillow very tightly and scream into it. I know he needs that kind of therapy, and I don't blame him. He's reaching for the pillow for those who can't see the pillow. <laughs> see, this is this is Kyle, the therapist at work still. But um, listen, for all the for all the stuff that we're saying, here's Bryce. Here's I think the best thing that Bryson uh, ha- uh, he, he touched on it. But as much as everybody wants to cheapen. The Cincinnati win, Eric Lopez. It did extend the interest of the fans. It gave this football team something to play for for at least two more weeks. Because if if you had lost to Cincinnati, who was a hapless team, there well, we're going to find out. We're going to find out what the what the stands look like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of fans, I I need a prediction from you guys. If UCF pulls it off the win, do fans rush the field? Not unless they want to break their leg, because that's yeah, literally the only way you could get all get to the field is by jumping into the air, and that you're going to break your leg. Have you met UCF students? Do you, do you see what happens? I'm just day? saying you're going to. I mean, because I remember this. Health. We don't care about our health. Uh, you might. Want to. If we win, I'll rush the field. I don't care. I'll break my leg. Uh, you're going to be. You're going to You're going to be met with some of the uh, officers, my uh, finest. Officers, yes. Now, yeah, I, 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 I will say rush that, the game. Go ahead, Bryson. I'm sorry. I'll say. I'll say this. It, ter- if Terry Mohajer logged into Twitter and saw people contemplating rushing the field if we beat Oklahoma State, let's just say that he mu- that he's very happy that the con- that the construction of the bounce house included a field wall that was not like just a fet that was not like just a little mound you know what i mean it's not like it's not like florida or florida like an an sec school that where you can rush the field basically anytime you want if you want to rush the field at ucf they either have to let you do it or you're probably going to break a break something in your low and the lower part of your body As he had built in this millennium, correct, Bryson Turner? Exactly. So (laughs) uh, as much as it would be really, really cool to see a rushing of the field here in Orlando, 
I don't think it's going to ha- I don't think it's going to happen <laughs> at least in any meaningful capacity because the only way this st- kind of stuff works is is if, is if enough people do it to where pe- people are like let it happen and I just don't think that well, I just think the structure of the stadium is just exactly the structure of the stadium they really did make, a, yeah, really did make a rushing the field the stadium rushing the field proof didn't they but yeah but, they don't want to yeah they don't want to pay a fine but is this a is this a in you guys' mind is this a field rush worthy? Absolutely. Otherwise, oh, absolutely. It's sure. a rank. It's a rank team. It's a legacy team. We're not having that good of a year. You pull off a huge upset. It's a big thing to celebrate. Okay. It's, I did. I did forget that they are fifteenth in the nation. That should matter. Go ahead, Bryce. Let's put it this way. If UCF was an it was an SEC team, we'd be rushing the field. Let's put it that way. We that the as yeah. in. Like, well, because the SEC, SEC stadiums have very field rush worthy stadiums. Oh, oh, if you were playing oh, in that oh, kind oh, of a stadium, yeah. then we would be I, rushing I, the field for this game. Be struggling quite like this, but if, if they were, if the field were structured again in the previous millennium, you'd have a shot. I'm hearing that it's it's physics, not emotion. That's the issue. I, I can follow that. The only thing, the only way I see it not happening is because, like, I mean, ultimately, if everyone goes down, eventually it will happen. But, like, I think people are going to be afraid to be the first ones to hop the fence because there's so much time that takes from, like, getting from the stands to the field that, like, security is going to grab you instantly. So no one wants to be that the fan that got caught. No. My question to Kyle is, is Kyle more excited about the Jordan Johnson Bowl? Because Jordan Johnson, obviously, former Knight, Oklahoma State staff, or the Trent Balky Bowl on Sunday that you're going to be at 49ers Jaguars. Which one are you more excited about? I'll put it this way: there'll be more hugs given at the Oklahoma State game at uh, at the bounce house. <laughs> but, you mean you're not you're not hugging anybody in the Trent Balky camp? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 you know, there's there's nobody that's going to meet me on. The, I, I'm not even on the field pregame at Everbank Stadium, but um, let's just say I'll be watching the football a lot more closely at Everbank. Wow. Um, Cause that's listen, listen, listen. And even though Trent Williams isn't playing now, you got me off on a tangent. I'd say, listen, you'll hear, you'll hear me break all that down on the Duval dive tomorrow morning, 1115 on the student that's Friday. The, for those that are wondering Friday, uh, depending when you're listening to this episode, Correct. November 10th. But Hey, even if you miss that, you could check it out. Student of the game podcast channel, all that stuff. Thank you for the opportunity for the chink blood and bing. Anyways. Um, Eric, what do you say we asked Nick about his first night covering UCF basketball? Well, one more thing, and then we'll move to basketball. Uh, Kyle and I will do a night shift from the stadium after the game. Be on the lookout for that on the YouTube channel, part of the coverage of Oklahoma State UCF uh, this weekend. There. Basketball, as you mentioned. Men's basketball. We'll begin with them. They've opened the season blowing out FIU on Monday night. Uh, very easily uh, comfortable win there, but some mixed news there. C.J. Walker out in, uh, with an injury, had surgery in his knee. There are Knights of a couple players currently serving, uh, fighting with the NCAA for their eligibility. But Jalen Sellers looked tremendous, 24 uh, leading the Knights in scoring. Darius Johnson, they are playing at Miami Friday night. That's Final Four Miami Hurricanes with Jim Laranega. Nick Porcello, you were there in attendance. Your impressions from the season opener for the men? Well, he said easily blown them out. I don't know if I'd go that far because <laughs> – and I'm not saying that to be mean. It's that you saw what the Knights had to work on. They – because I'll say this. Even when it was kind of clear that UCF was going to win, FIU did not make it easy on them. They started really going full-court press – 
and UCF struggled. That resulted in them turning the ball over 18 times. There was they turned the ball over a lot in the sec in the second half. And that's something they're really going to need to break down on, which Coach Dawkins and all the players alluded to after the game. That being, point, 11 steals by FIU for the record. That's that's yeah. a number. And it was like back to back to back to back. There was a point they just like, they could not get over the get 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 to over half court. They really could, but it just ultimately came down with that game. The way I saw saw it was just to put it bluntly, UCF just had the better talent. They had better talent was in the end. Let's put it this way: UCF outscored FIU forty-three to twenty-one in the first half, forty-two to forty-one in the second half. FIU was only one point off of the Knights in that second half. I think. Would you say that it's like Nick that maybe it's like you you got to make sure you finish you finish at that point you know at that point. I would say that, and I would say that because that's what the players told me after the game. They're mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, we have to." They were all saying we weren't communicating as well. We got to do a better job with that. Now, to be fair to them, a bunch of like we just said, a bunch of players that they were counting on and playing in this game could not due to either injuries or some other factors. So this is not what they were planning at. You know, this lineup is not what they were planning on having tonight. That being said, as we've just said, Jalen Sellers just, man, what an absolute great game. 23 points, one off from his uh, career high. And also a little shout out to uh, Darius Johnson, who had a really good 15 points. Although he, uh, if you were watching the game, you might remember that he uh, had an open layup that he uh, that he missed pretty badly. I, I mean, um, I'm not um, going to get on him for one play, but yeah, that, I'm not going to either because ultimately he 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 was the leader on the court that night. So best three point shooter for the Knights individually, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, um, and I'll say this: the thing that's most comforting, you mentioned his stats and all that, and of course, as the point guard, him having four tur- uh, not turnovers. I'm sorry, uh, assists is a big deal. Um, I, I I have to say, him finishing a game healthy makes me very happy. <laughs> Jeez, there you go. The bar said I. No, no, uh, no. It's because of how much injury there was last year, Eric Lopez. Yeah. Just not. Uh, we just- already have one, though. We already have C.J. Walker. And my concern, you mentioned the struggles in the second half. I, I don't know about the depth on this team. I mean, you know, C.J. Walker's out again. That is significant. Uh, we don't know how long he'll be out for, but it's going to be a little bit. So I think the front court's going to be a little tested there. And then, obviously, Marcellus Avery in that ruled ineligible by the NCAA. Johnny Dawkins went off on the NCAA by his standards. So Johnny's like the most, yeah. you know, nicest guy you'll ever meet. It's not he flip really out like me. He's like, he's, he, <laughs> I wish the, I was. A, you saw, you saw the crack. He cracked a little bit in that in the post game. Oh, and rightfully so. He's got a point. Like the, it's ridiculous. The Marcellus Avery, for those that don't know, is a New Mexico State kid. That uh, their season kind of they had a big scandal there, and abruptly he apparently entered the porter, made in, you know, communicated with when he wasn't supposed to communicate back. It's like a nitpick nonsense from the NCAA. And Johnny's upset about it, and they're appealing it, so they're hoping to make something work out there. Antoine Jones is uh, uh, ineligible until the next semester. He's ineligible basically for this remainder of, of November. He'll be back in December. But that's three bodies right there you're without. And I think those are big questions you know, I think Jerry's Johnson and Sellers are going to be your top two leading scorers, but I don't know who scores after that on this night's team, and it's still a work in progress, and uh, they're going to play a Miami team that has been very successful. So I think the jury's still out on this team as they yeah. figure things out. You can't make any decisions on this team yet. I think I don't think we're going to know what this team's going to be until, like, maybe maybe by December, but at least the end of the month. 
But this is going to be a team that's going to be tested on their depth. Like, ev- nearly everyone got into that game, and a lot of them were freshmen, as Coach Dawkins said in the post game, Like, these guys were thrown to the fire. They got tested when the lights were bright. And to be fair to them, some of them, you know, uh, they did pretty well. So I'm, yeah, let's not let's not act like they're completely hell, uh, helpless here. Yeah, no, that's, yeah exactly. I agree. Allen did have eight points, you know, uh, doing his part. Had more, or yeah, had more assists than Darius Johnson. I think that's worthy of mention. If you're looking for a number three, that's what jumps off the page. Um, but and, but to your point, Elo, I, I think you're looking for more um, guard play, or excuse me, forward play. That's your question there, too. Um, Tyler Hendricks also getting seven on the night, too. I don't think he was necessarily quiet either. My biggest concern, if I'm looking at seven missed free throws, that that is not appropriate. And, um, yeah, that that's well, that. They, they struggled a lot with free throws that night. It wasn't yeah. the greatest. But uh, you mentioned Tyler Hendricks. He got a pretty big cheer from the crowd when he first got into the game. Mm-hmm. Well, he's going to have to be a key factor for them. Uh, we'll see how he fits as the year goes on, whether he's a starter coming off the bench obviously with his brother Taylor in the G league right now um, with the jazz. So we'll see. Look, I think, uh, you know, the men and the women, let's get the women involved in this. They blew out Bethune Cookman, but what did we really learn? I think both teams still in progress. The women's team, I don't know if what we're going to, we're going to learn much between now until they play Auburn. Although they do have a tournament out of the country, out of the country coming up. That's pretty important. I'll, I'll say yeah. this, Hilo. We have learned this much about the women's team. Coach Abe was gone, sure, but I don't see a day where Coach Abe's team scored over 100 points against anybody. Hasn't I, happened since 1998. Let's be clear about that, Elo. They did not blow them out. They historically blew them out. This was a huge performance for them. And, I mean, let's just say it. We got to highlight Kaylin Peterson coming into this game. The most points that she ever scored in a game was 11, which she did when she was a freshman still at Indiana. She had 31 in this game. And what makes that even crazier is going into the first half, she only had five points. Five. And then suddenly, second half, just like really the rest of the team, she got hot. I mean, she was 12 for 19 from field goal range and and 6 for 10 from three-point range. I mean, she it just felt like she couldn't miss. That's Why? only half of the teams that total three-pointers, which, by the way... That's another tying the program record. If it back, in fact, the thirteen team three pointers ties the the team single game record, also from the 1997-1998 season. In the same games in those seasons where the team scored more than one hundred points, because it happened twice that year in in 1998. It happened twice. Yeah. So UCF replicating something we had not seen since 1998 i don't really care that it's against bethune cookman the fact that you didn't do that against bad teams like bethune cookman in the decades since and now you do it i i i'm not saying that it's like you know we that it's like something you've got to take to heart but like i feel like it's it's a sign it's an improvement after after last year this i feel like is something that's like hey let i i think we could see some change this year you know what i mean yeah listen, listen i'm with i'm with eric like it's it's the first game. You'll never know what a team is in the first game. It's going to take a few games. But that being said, a lot of positive stuff happened in this game, and you got to celebrate it. I mean, yes, Kaylin Peterson had a great game, but she wasn't the only one. She was just one of four people to score double digits, four. And also, we got to give a shout out to 
Akel Acott because I mean, 14 rebounds. She she killed it in the paint. She was a def- she was out there on defense. Well, and that's what I wanted to ask you about first. You know, Nate Hutton did not play in this game. Um, Destiny Thomas on to join Coach Abe at Georgia. Um, don't worry, I'm I, I've I've shed no more tears. I'm good. I, I think I'll be able to move on. Especially you need hugs? yeah, I, uh, the, the, after the after the broadcast, uh, Nick. But what what I am encouraged by is what I see from the front court here. Um, you, you mentioned HL and also Jayla Kelly. They combined for 21 points, three blocks. Uh, by the way, by by Akel, I um say your first name again. I keep getting it wrong, Nick. You were saying it right, Akel. Akel, okay, Akel with three blocks. Um, also, I'm not saying she's Destiny Thomas, but it's good to see somebody out there with presence. And then Jayla Kelly coming off uh, the bench as well, putting up 14. A la Anae Hutton or what Destiny Thomas would do that sort of thing last year. Um, no double doubles yet, so that's the Destiny Thomas part that's not there. But um, I, I think, listen, I, I would exercise caution um, just in different ways for both the men and the women here, right? For the men, don't get too far down. I, I know the point was made that uh, you know the depth might be an issue, but Coach Dawkins in the past has said to be able to learn doing during a win is an excellent gift from his perspective. And then likewise, I think even coach Mesa herself would say, this is fun. It's one game. Um, and, and what she said, that is what she said. And not to mention, she pointed out, Hey, there are some things we need to improve on. Cause here's the thing. This was a big blowout, but going into the first half, it didn't look that way. UCF was only up. I believe the score was uh 27 to 38. So it wasn't that big. And to, because to be honest, at the start of the game, they didn't start off that good. They were a little sloppy. They turned the ball over a lot. It was only until they got into the second half that they just cut down on turnovers and they really started to shoot a lot better. So they so that's the one thing that they've said they want to work on. They just they got to start off better. So yeah. so it's exactly like you said. It's fun. It's awesome. We have more games to, to get to look forward to, and we still have a lot we can improve on. So let's not just like hang our hat on this. Let's keep building. Yeah, to your have, point, Nick, they pulled away basically in the fourth quarter. Go ahead, Elo. I just have a gripe. Can we just like, if we're going to do the double header, can we just do it earlier? Like, why do we have to do six at like eight thirty? The men's game didn't tip off to like eight twenty six. Like, there were people that left there after midnight covering that game. Like, can we do it a little earlier? That Nick's raising his hand. Look at that guy. He's raising his hand after midnight. My hey. goodness, come on. Five and seven. Can we do five seven thirty? Why can't we do five and seven thirty? What are we doing? We're talking about this now. I've been doing it for two years. I, just, I, I will say it was on a Monday. To be fair, like if it was like at five, like five or whatever on a Monday, people wouldn't. Not that many people would show up. Well, that's a college basketball issue. College basketball decided to start their seasons on a Monday. Gee, what what could they possibly go up against on a Monday? Oh, that's right. It's called football. <laughs> I will say that this this gentleman. I uh, I think that we saw some great some solid stuff like like because let's remember that this basketball team has a really a solid bit of turnover not all, not not just on, on the court but off the court with the assistant coaches and I feel like that this is a solid like introduction for them I mean really think about the people that really showed up tonight Caitlin Peterson Akel Acott fre- freshman Jayla Jayla Kelly I Jayla, Jayla Kelly to me aware I I, I think it, this is a solid I think introduction for the for these players into you into UCF women's basketball and I feel like that this is this this feels I feel like more of like a turning the page kind of moment in the sense like you know okay 
the the lull of the first year is over let's get let, like let's get to work like it's let's get to work you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah talk to me when they play auburn uh that's my reaction to that let's let's see what happens when they play auburn and we're gonna learn about the men a little bit yeah. friday night at miami coral gables they played a really tight game last year Miami got... it. he had a johnson had a great game last year i believe that was his career high in points yeah they uh, Miami won. Help UCF had a shot at the end that could have tied it, sent to overtime. Didn't uh, didn't go. There was a clock malfunction. We don't need to get into that. Kyle, I'm trying to remember if you were. I don't think you were there. I think you were. I you was. Were, yeah, that was a tight game in December. Uh, Miami UCF beat Miami a couple of years ago. So yeah, I think we'll learn a little bit about UCF. This is a big challenge. Jim Laranega has done a great job. I mean, that is an understatement. Incredible job with Miami, fresh off a of Final Four team uh, last year. So Why I think we're going to no CJ Kelly or not CJ Kelly. See, I'm still sucking last year. No, no CJ Walker. Um, apparently for that game, I think that's problematic, but I, yeah, I, he's going to be out a while. Yeah. He's and that's going to be a while, man. It's not going to be a, like uh John Rice Palmley. where like, could he come back this week? Could he come back? With, no, we're going to have to wait a little bit. It, yeah. Yeah. It's still when, but it, unlike that, his injury, this sounds a little more serious. Just, yeah. You got man, hard just, guy, just, man. Hard the 2024 guy. conversation is what it's sounding like. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Again, they didn't give me that much, and I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to speculate. Oh, I'm just Breaking news, Kyle. Nick is not a doctor. We just <laughs> <don't do that. laughs> All right. What's out to the guy, man? I just All looked right. into horrible. Yeah. Very unfortunate for C- for CJ Walker. And, and so, yeah, you mentioned men's basketball against Miami. And then uh, women's basketball will be back at home on November 13th against Anderson for their second game of the season. Oh, my friend Victor Anderson's playing them? That's nice of him. I yeah. No, he's a, no, it's a deal. Look at Kyle's face in disgust. Oh, come it's on. Like, you didn't have a joke in mind. Come hey, on. Listen, first of all, like, yeah, I'm, I'm not really for bad jokes. Is with Stetson, so there's that. Uh, and, and I'm ignoring your uh, joke hate, Nick, because I don't need... The problem with haters, they're going to hate, okay? But, uh, no, I... Let, let's move on. Goodness gracious. Let's move on. Taylor Swift. <laughs> Did you really just reference Taylor Swift? No. I no, referenced Seth Myers. Thank you. Seth, Seth Myers. There you if go. I'm going to reference Taylor Swift, it'll be a lot more blatant, and you're going to need to shake it off. Boom! Uh, you did that to yourself, Nick Morcelli. You did that to yourself. <laughs> and he's out. Did he just walk out? What just happened here? <laughs> That was a first. There you go. <laughs> How could you walk if out, Swift out of sports? She's taking over football, and now she's going everywhere else. They're, she's in hockey for some reason. I don't know. You you evoked her name. I merely defended myself with a proper pun. That's all. All right. All right. Uh, yeah, I don't, I'm stunned when we just developed I don't always heard of this, and that's my fault, but where did we just go? That was weird. I don't know, but I'm going to change the subject real quick. Please, let's talk about something else. UCF. That's, that's yes, it. let's cheer us up by see, talking about uh, the Olympic sports and then the Hall of Fame. Let's first start oh, oh, okay. with uh, men's soccer, unfortunately, lost in the quarter uh, finals of the Sunbelt Tournament, 3-2 to two to South Carolina. Uh, this was the number one ranked team in the country. They are no lo- no longer number one. They dropped all the way down to twelve. Fun while it lasted. Fun while it lasted. Yes. Uh, Monday. Well, the funny is they were technically still number one against South yeah. Carolina. Yeah. So I kind of have to wonder if maybe this Sun Belt quarterfinal game would have been like you know a couple days later. UCF wouldn't have the that number one ranking next to their name anymore. Would South Carolina have come at come at them like they did to beat them two to beat them two to one and 
I would argue, and Coach Calabrese kind of mentioned this after the game. Like they they really got su- they really got sucker punched early in this uh, early in this one with South Carolina getting a goal in like the six minute mark, roughly. I mean, when you give up an early goal like that, that is that is not ideal. Well, we're gonna find out Monday. It's the selection show. And now the big question is, is UCF men's soccer going to be a top eight seed or a top 16 seed? I think they were hoping for a top four seed, but that kind of went out the window with the losses, the loss to South Carolina. They're ranked 12th. Their RPI is in the 10 to 12 range. They dropped That's down not- 10th in the RPI. They dropped down yeah. seven spots from number three to number 10. Oh. Overall, overall, honestly, I thought the drop would have been worse, honestly. I so it's bad though. I mean, you well, top, no, no, any drop in the RPI more than like a, a, a spot or two, a more than a spot or two drop in the RPI is bad. But like, considering ba- the back to back losses against JMU and South Carolina, I thought we were going to drop a whole lot further than that. So I'm just glad we're still in the top 10. Well, they're going to be seated, they're going to host in the NCAA tournament. Uh, but is it going to be top eight or top 16? We're going to find out Monday. And that is important because it's a 48-team field. It'll determine how often you could, in theory, host each round of the NCAA tournament. But this team's got to regroup. I think they came in limping, a little gassed. And I think it showed in their last two matches against JMU and South Carolina. But at least they have soccer to be played for. Yeah, unlike the women. Weeks. They need these two weeks. To yeah, get they need the two-week break. Before we move on, do you think this is a weird way it can be a good thing? Because you always were saying, hey, they're playing a lot. They seem gassed. Yeah, I mean, two week off. I mean, you got to take advantage of it. We'll see. Maybe. That's a hope. That's the hope. That's the that's what the you're hoping that happens from a UCF standpoint for Scott Calabrese and company. He, he even referenced after the game, he talked about that one Syracuse team that was bounced out of the ACC tournament early and then went on to win the national well, title. the national title a year ago. So, I mean, men's soccer is wide open. It's always wide open. Upsets okay. will happen. It's not so. over yet. It's not over yet. They still no, look, they've had a good year. Uh, I think we've kind of become – this happens, Kyle. This is what happens, Kyle. You get ranked number one, and all of a sudden the, the sky's falling because you drop a match or two. You were the number one ranked team in the country, and now we're, like, all bummed out. I mean, what? what go figure. I listen. Yeah, there's still plenty of time to back. It's still a successful season. Still got yeah, no, as the Sun Belt Coach of the Year. I, I think everybody's going to be okay. Like yes. we, we keep saying, successful season. The season's not over yet. So like we get also agree. Isn't that evidence of a successful season? The fact yeah, exactly. that oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Third third time by the way. Seven seasons at UCF. Third time that Coach Calabrese has won a conference Coach of the Coach of the Year award, and also. Uh, Luca Dorado and Zane Bub were named uh, first team all 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 Sun Belt. So another some some more accolades for Luca Dorado for Luca Dorado over his illustrious UCF career to this point. I see Coach Calabrese sneaking in to make a presence known in the bannies. I'm just throwing it out there. Whoa! Well, I mean, let, let's let's just see what Johnny Dawkins does. Let's see what Johnny. Oh Dawkins my does. goodness! All right. Well, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. Yeah. We're already thinking the end of the we're year. Let's just get this part over with. Hey, I'm mentioning it now so that those that run it can continue the hype and be ready to 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 let's just say build it. Listen, the bannies is a year long process, gentlemen. <laughs> it is. I, it's, you know, it's it, it's funny you mentioned that. It's it's funny you mentioned that because I remember Eric and I talking about that, uh, talking about that on the phone like a day or two a day or two ago. So like we do talk about this stuff behind uh, behind the uh, behind the scenes sometimes. It's not all the time, but it does but it does happen from time to time. In all fact, right. we actually spoke about this on uh, spoke about another team in regards to their bandy bandy contention. Unfortunately, their season 
has come to a close as women's soccer will ended up being one of the first few teams out in after the NCAA selection show. I remember watching that. I was sitting in the um in the uh, DeVos graduate program office. I was sitting down watching the show, watching the show, just crossing my fingers. And then I saw Colorado got selected. And then I'm like, oh no. Yeah. Yeah, those selection shows. Yeah, UCF first four out women's soccer. Not a real shocker, uh, but still disappointing. Tough. They had a ton of injuries this year. Uh, they did get to the the semifinals of the Big 12 tournament. They'll be the they'll always be remembered as the first UCF team to win a Big 12 conference game and a Big 12 conference tournament game. So they will have that, and they actually beat a team from the actual Big 12. They didn't beat like a team from the American. So uh, anyway, so go, man. they end up finishing. They end up finishing at number 45. Number 45 in the RPI oh, is where they finished off. Game. Women's soccer finishes off. I'm sorry. Cincinnati's basically our rival. Okay, like let's. There's, like, there's not according to the Big 12 is not the future schedule said. They they basically decided that that we're not a uh, a rival of Cincinnati. Actually, in all seriousness, since you, we didn't bring this up, the future scheduling came out last week. I wrote about that. On the black and gold banneret.com. Yes. They didn't not they did not assign UCF Cincinnati from a football standpoint as a rival. Uh they only did like four rivalries in total. Any qualms with the schedule from that standpoint, what the league did with UCF? With the about the whole rivalry thing? Yeah. Like they're gonna be playing a bunch of Pac-12 teams next year. Utah at home, Colorado. We got uh with Deion Sanders, hopefully. Uh, should be there. So I mean, I mean, just real quick, because I, I, I know we touched on it last week, but people are still asking us about the future schedule. I think people are still reacting to that. We're gonna have some fun matchups. I mean, what, what more can you say? Um, yeah, I'm I mean, stuck. from a rivalry standpoint, that stuff isn't built on a dime. Yeah, you know? like you make it. You can title it all you want, but like to me, all that really matters is how to like the actual fans see it. And let me be clear: coming up to that game, we were us, at least us students, we were talking trash with the Cincinnati students. To us, it's oh, right. there you go. Uh, there you go. Yeah, let's put it this way. You let's put it this way. UCF is, has experience with manufactured rivalries, and I think that maybe it's uh it's good to it's nice to see that not happen oh, in yeah. the Big Twelve uh, in the Big Twelve because rivalries I think are something that has to form na- the form naturally over time. Nice. You notice that the you notice that the rivalries that the Big Twelve did keep were the ones that kind of had some good history. Behind uh, history, behind it, you know, you know, history behind a geogra- or a geographic sense. UCF does not have either one of those with these with these uh, Big Twelve with these Big Twelve opponents, at least from a football angle. So, uh, we- Bryson, what you're trying to say is, when it comes to manufactured rivalries, you are not conflicted that they're a bad thing. Oh, there we shameless go. Plug because, uh, shameless plug because the Athletic actually dropped an article about that the morning that we recorded this. I a pair, uh, recorded this, actually. All yeah. right. Well, there you go. So, uh, a quick though, That doesn't mean, by the way, that um, that doesn't mean, by the way, that rivalries aren't going to be a thing across others, uh, across other sports, uh, including in the, on the volleyball side of things who just played I who I would argue their biggest rivalry. That's called a segue, gentlemen. That was a great segue, Bryson. Terry was going to tell you. (laughs) Now, unfortunately, now unfortunately, it didn't exactly go very well for them because volleyball dropped both of their matches on the road against the number twenty-two ranked Houston Cougars. Uh, Got swept three. Got swept three zero in in the first one, and then pick. They did pick up a set in the second match, but ended up losing that three 
to one. Not exactly a good sign with number 12 BYU coming to town this uh, coming to Orlando this week. But it was at it was at Houston, and Houston has always been a uh, been a team that we played very close, even with the McKenna Melville. In the well, pick. that's the thing. Even when they were at full, I mean, this has been a rivalry now, a real rivalry in volleyball the last couple of years, and I think Houston's flipped the rivalry now. Uh, David Rare has done a great job there. They're good. they're a team that's going to be probably be a seeded team uh, that can make some noise once again. They made the Sweet 16 last year. Look, the youth of this volleyball team is showing. I think they've hit the wall a little bit. And one thing that's been a trend, Kyle, and I, I want your thoughts on this, uh, if you've seen some of this on the football side, is the lack of depth in certain areas of particular teams are showing with these UCF teams as far as playing in the Big 12. You know, I think women's soccer's lack of depth got her, uh, exposed a little bit during the Big 12 play offensively. Volleyball, I think their youth. You know, they're trying some different combinations, but as the competition has st- you know, taken a different level, you're seeing the volleyball get exposed a little bit from a depth standpoint. And I think football, have you seen that too? I think we've seen a little bit of that at times with football on certain areas, depth-wise, whether it be the linebacking position, uh, things like that, that you can hide in a league like the American, but you cannot hide in the Big 12. I think that's something – that we're learning here, each sport, regardless of the sport, about the differences between the American and the Big 12. Well, and this also ties into the speech you've given us wisely. Uh, I shouldn't say the speech, but rather the lesson you maintained to us wisely when NIL hit all the big news in the football world. You reminded us, hey, dudes, this has been happening in America, in, in Olympic sports for yeah. some time. And, and, and yeah, oh, yeah, and that's kind of the point there, too. So what we're learning is, yes, depth is a thing when you're trying to moved uh, to an elevated uh, per- or at least a perceived element uh, uh, elevation in competition. I don't, I don't think it's just perceived. I think it's fair to say that that's what moving to the big 12 was in both sports um, in question here, volleyball and the big 12, but also if you're going to rely on the transfer portal to fill gaps quickly and you miss. Yes. As what happened with the linebacker core in question as one could argue we might be seeing with volleyball. That, that too, is kind of a double whammy there, too. More gravity falls on the ability to recruit as such um, to fill the gaps where your depth is short. And, and I think, I mean, that's not just a UCF problem. We're seeing that with Colorado football, too, and, and their offensive line. Their offensive line, which they failed to build. See, this is, this is why you can't give UCF's offensive line a hard time. They rebuilt it twice this year. It's got a four, a, a four, an active four-game hundred-yard running back streak, you know. Whereas, poor Colorado is a different conversation. Um, but yeah, yeah I, that's definitely I, a different. Yeah, so I say all of the above to say, yeah, that this is what a lack of depth looks like, and especially down the stretch, you know that that will affect you. Teams get more film. Team uh, players get more tired, et cetera, et cetera. Now, for volleyball, they're hosting BYU. Depending on when you're listening to this episode, because I, I to be honest, I don't know when we're, you're listening to this episode, because you know I'm not around you people, but I, we appreciate you listening. Um, there's two matches here. You, this is a must split, at least, for volleyball. Must. There are RPIs in that 62 range, which is not good. 63. Uh, 63, uh, BY, they've got BYU at home. That's going to help because you're going to have a good crowd. I think, especially Friday, usually they draw better on the Friday night. So try to get at least a split. BYU's questionable on the road. After that, you've got Texas, the defending national champions next Saturday, who's going to be angry, who just got swept by Kansas State. 
which is probably not good news for us uh, because that means they're going to be locked in and focused. Um, well, remember, and then, you, and then you go on the road to Iowa State, Kansas. Well, remember, so Kansas State came here and we beat them in five sets. So yeah, that seemed Texas like is years coming ago. here too. Yeah, but Texas is going to be really focused though. They are going, oh boy. I would have preferred they beat Kansas State and just kind of come into Orlando nice and quiet. And yeah, you know, not the case. Uh, but they got to, this is a must split. If you lose both to BYU, now you got to face Texas, Iowa State, Kansas, trying to find wins for the NCAA tournament. Uh, it's going to be Ticey, but they are at home. It's a good home team. I expect the crowd to lift this young team. They'll play better. I think they got a shot at a split with BYU to keep their hopes alive for the NCAA tournament. You win both, that helps a lot too. But, you know, we'll see what happens. They, uh, To me, they, they look at like a young team that's hit the wall. Uh, they're not serving as big because teams are, ser- are really doing a great job now returning their serves, so they're not getting the free points they were getting earlier in the year. And UCF's hitting under 200 uh, in these during this losing streak. They were swept by Baylor, split with TCU, swept by Houston. So hopefully things can turn around. Hopefully – the presence of Delana Sarton, former night volleyball great, will help them. I say that because she will be part of this class for the UCF Hall of Fame on Friday that's going to get inducted. Class of seven. Here are the seven people that will get inducted. Delana Sarton for volleyball. Former UCF president, the late John Hitt. Former UCF head football coach, Gene McDowell, the late Gene McDowell. The voice of UCF athletics, Mark Daniels. Kyle Bono, UCF pitcher uh, from the 2000s, the 2007 National Championship cheerleading team. No Coley Matrix needed for that. And Shelby Turnier for softball will be all inducted Friday night. Great event. They're going to be honored at the football game on Saturday. Kyle referenced hugs after the games. I will be hugging a couple of those Hall of Famers that I mentioned in Shelby, who I know very well, obviously, from my softball but I want to ask both all of you, because Kyle, you were a student. Everybody was a, has been a student at one point or another in this show at UCF. So I want to ask you about John Hitt mm. and your thoughts on him getting inducted to Hall of Fame, uh, Kyle, because he was obviously the president when you and I were students, and the impact he's made on UCF athletics as a whole. Because without John Hitt, I would argue we don't have a bounce house to go to on a frequent basis. Maybe we're still at the Citrus Bowl. Who knows? But he was such a big pro athletics guy. He understood the vision of athletics and the important college and universities that I think it's it makes a ton of sense that if you're going to put an administrator in there that John hit here in the first year of the Big 12 gets in. Oh, and, and rightly so. I think that's wildly appropriate. And 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 it, it, not just from the athletic standpoint, too, as somebody who was in the engineering college at the time when he took over to see that <laughs> that just that program go from the one building that it was to now being three strong and all the other stuff that was done in the, just all over the place, the expansion that has taken place. Uh, it was under his watch that I first heard under construction forever for the expansion that took place, not just on campus uh, academically, but also to your point, Eric Lopez, the athletic side and, and that construction, as you mentioned, includes the bounce house and, and making sure that all the things were done that needed to be done. So we didn't look like a bunch of cows and just sit there in a pasture eating grass, wearing our green. See what I did there? Um, yeah, what you did there. So, yeah, but yeah, I, I think that's a wildly appropriate induction. And then Gene McDowell helped football get from D2 to what to FCS. 
to the FBS level. Yeah, as yeah. A father, as the father of football in the 80s. Yeah. And uh, 90s. And by the way, help bring Dante Culpepper. <laughs> yeah, on that UCF front, UCF talented player. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in their history. You know, yeah. say what you will about Mackenzie Milton, Shaquem Griffin. Those guys are, are great spiritual favorites. Uh, but nobody, in my opinion, is a better football player, at least offensively. Maybe you could argue with Santi Samuel uh, on the defensive side. But, um, yeah, no, Dante. Uh, what's that? What about Blake Bortles? Blake Bortles was never the quarterback that Dante Culpepper was. Dante wow. Culpepper, before his injury, was competing with one Peyton Williams Manning for an MVP caliber performance in the NFL. Oh, I'm, talking, I'm talking in college. Let's not think about like what No, I mean no, he's right. I mean what I think that's what Kyle is referring to. Well, right. Uh, it's not a, and it's not a knock on Blake for the record. It's not, not a knock on Blake. Blake. It's a compliment Blake. to Culpepper. Right. Remember, remember, remember for the top two guys. So yeah, remember fair. the comparison. Remember the comparison I made several years ago where the top three UCF quarterbacks of all time were like the three Spider-Man actors. You know, it's each of them has their own strengths. Whoa. Dante, wow. Kobe, Blake is Andrew, and then Mackenzie's time. Um, you, you, wow, you're giving, wow. you're giving you're giving Blake Bortles the 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 Andrew Garfield treatment. I don't know if wow. I hey, hey wow. I remember I remember that episode. You specifically said you loved that comparison. Kyle. I love the comparison. I just think Milton is Andrew Garfield. That's all. Wow, all right, that's a lot of Spider-Man references. Here. Okay, well, oh no, I, I'm not done with the Disney references just yet because with the as far as the uh, John Hitt and Gene McDowell stuff with these posthumous inductions you can kind of listen to uh eric and i's full thoughts on the matter on the black and gold ban uh, on the black and gold ban at hall of fame special that we that we recorded uh shameless plug right there. The black and gold can... youtube channel bryson turner it is it's going to be right there so the uh make sure to subscribe so hey the, with, with you... great plugging comes great responsibility bryson anyways it's funny you know, that you mentioned i approve of that joke mentioned... i approve of that one I'll it's funny you mentioned Star Wars, actually, because I kind of bring this up, but I'm going to I want to bring this. Uh, I want to kind of bring it into this as well, is that G McDowell and John Hitt being inducted at this time sort of reminds me of the monologue from the from the character of Luthen from Andor, where he talks about how when he formed the rebellion, oh, he boy. essentially kind he is he essentially <laughs> laid down his life. And he used his life to provide a sunrise to everyone else that he knows that he would never see. Right now, this right is now. a little different than that, but <laughs> Dean McDowell and John Hitt both were both major players in UCF getting to the big uh, in UCF getting to the Big Twelve. But they are not were not here with us when the time for that transition came. But you can't deny that they those two are the are were major drivers in UCF getting to this position in the first place. So the fact that they're in the hall of fame is amazing and absolutely worth the recognition. It's just, I think it's just the, that little comparison. It's that they really, they use, they use a lot, a long portion of their lives to to provide this sun kind of sunrise that they themselves were not able to see, but now we're finally honoring them for their contribution. Right. No, I'm with you on that. Let's credit it. Bryson Turner. Um, Using UCF as a reference to the rebellion against the galactic empire that is college football is good, but I'm going to need my scuba certification to catch up with the Endor reference because that is deep. Continue, Nick. Sorry. Yeah, it just ultimately, it you know, it's just a shame that they can't be on the field to be honored with the rest of the inductees because they, in my mind, they just deserve to look at that Big 12 logo on the field because without them, that's not there. 
It's the families will be there, uh, and it'll be emotional, and yeah, that'll be kind of cool. Day. There. And then when you think of UCF and all the football highlights and basketball, you think of a soundtrack, you think of Mark Daniels. Mark very fitting. He gets to be part of this class. That's going to be really cool for him. Uh, and I'm going to be fascinated how he gets honored at the game because he's I was just going to really, say, is he going to leave the Brock? Is he going to leave? The I don't think so. I think he's going to have to do the whole wave from the boot. I'm just guessing, Kyle. What do you think? I mean, that, that's unique. That'll be unique. What? They haven't tapped you on the shoulder to take over for the second quarter? Yet? No, not yet. No. But, you know, it's early, maybe. Mm -hmm. uh, but no, uh, that's going to be pretty awesome for him and the family. Uh, that's going to be pretty awesome. And then you got a national championship team, the 2007 cheerleading team will be honored uh, there, as well as Kyle Bono, was pitcher for UCF Baseball, 2004 A-Sun Championship team, the last UCF Baseball team to make a regional final. Elena Sarden, as I mentioned, volleyball. And Shelby Turnier, the first All-American in UCF softball history. You can check our YouTube channel for exclusive interviews with Sarden and Shelby Turnier for more details on that. Turnier, of course, has helped build the growth of UCF softball, which just had, gentlemen, as I segue as we wrap up the show, a top 25 recruiting class for the third straight year. Thank you very much. My question to you, gentlemen, I dare you, who is a better recruiter right now on campus of the UCF head coaches than Cindy Balmalone, who's now had three straight top 25 recruiting classes in the country? What other UCF coach could say that? It depends on your metric. She can't. Uh, maybe Johnny Dawkins can say that, but for what resources he has, he recruits like a bad man, Majamba too. But I take nothing away from Cindy Ball Malone. He is a fantastic recruiter. I will say the same, but I but I will raise you Scott Calabrese, who who his additions over the last two years: Zane Bub, Rafael Cravello, Saku. Saku well, some of those are transfers. Yeah, but that's we're still recruiting Eric Lopez. Okay, well, Coach Ball Malone's had top transfer classes too. The point I'm is, is that if you ask on you for selling her shirt, Eric Lopez, come on, you're the softball guy. You're the salt and the stick ball. Get that, in there. That's what I was waiting on. I was waiting there on. Let's put it this. Look, let's put it this. Look, there look, is. let's put it this way. Cindy Ball, I will say that of the three, while Scott Calabrese and uh, Johnny Dawkins and Sydney Ball Malone are three great recruiters all in their own right, if I truly had to pick one of them, if I truly had to pick one, I would pick Ball Malone. I'm just saying there that I, I'm just saying that even though she is the top one, I'm just saying that there are people in her neighborhood. It's not like she's all alone over there. I, th Sorry. that's that, and, and that's let's not forget, by the way, that um that it's this that um earlier was National Signing Day for multiple other sports. We saw a bunch of other uh signings get announced across UCF's sport sports team. So let's so don't forget to kind of check out the uh check out x threads social media to see who they got over on that side with basketball volleyball all of volleyball all all of that but softball i think is definitely the headliner at least from a from a recruiting. 25 baby bam that's all Indeed. i gotta say boom uh ball ball by the way florida sunday i will be there Depending on when you're listening to this episode, and again, I don't know when you're listening to this episode, but we appreciate when you're listening to this episode, the Big 12 softball schedule might be out. And if it's out, you see what I see? Yeah. Uh, let's just say we're hook them on that schedule sooner yeah. or later at Ooh. home. Oh. oh! I'm incredibly proud of you, Eric Lopez. Thank you. I've spent too much time with you. Uh, check the schedules out. I'm going to write about it at BlackEagleBanneret.com. We'll have more on that. 
down the road. But that's going to wrap it up for now because I'm going to be hanging out with Kyle at the football game. It's a big game. You know it's a big game when I'm hanging out with Kyle. That That's true. That's true. Keep it, hey, don't forget to keep an eye out for me in the student section because this is going to be the game where the DeVos program has their tailgate. So I'm going to be out there tailgate. I'll be there too, man. I'll be so there too. I'm, Nice. So we're all gonna be there. Yeah, you go. Yeah, this is. Let's just let's let's try to let's definitely try to have some good um get some good legit logistics on the post game this time. At least now we plan. At least now we can. We at least now we know what happened last time. All of us were there at the game, so we can plan for what to do this time around. Well, when you mean is like all the work Kyle does, which is what Kyle tell the audience the work we look to expect at the football game. (laughs) Yes, I will. I will. Regardless of all the parties in question, I will, of course, be providing the latest edition of Night Class. Uh, so look for that as that comes up as well. Also, any post game video and media coming out there will be present on the Black and Gold Banner at YouTube channel. And you would expect to see the same for Night Shift post game. I have a feeling. Oh, yeah. Bing. Sorry. Thank you, uh, Bryson Turner. Um, and I have a feeling. That will be a very special, perhaps pre-recorded edition. It will be. So we will want you to actually send us your questions and thoughts during the game, and Kyle and I will answer some of them. So uh, that's what we're going to do. We're going to do it on site uh, like we did for the Baylor game. That will be a lot of fun. We, I enjoyed that doing that, actually, that last time and uh, got a lot of positive feedback. And So we're going to do that again. And that would be Mr. on any of the so- socials you can find there, Eric Lopez. Correct. Make sure you hit up the Black and Gold Banner at YouTube. Yes. Sorry, not, well, not just the YouTube, but also any of the socials, the Twitter, the threads, the Instagram, the fo- the Facebook. Yes. We don't have a MySpace. Cool. We're too new for that, but that's okay. <laughs> wow. Uh, it's been a while since I've heard that one reference. But, yeah, so check out our coverage, UCF Oklahoma State. Uh, I've got an article right now about Ollie Gordon going against UCF and some of the best running backs that have ever played in the bounce house. I'm going to ask Kyle in the post game what he thinks of Ollie Gordon, seeing him in person, and where does he rank to some of the other running backs that I wrote in the article? That'll be on the post game. I as need well. to get that to that one. I'll be curious if you have Devin Singletary in there. I'm going to, I'm going to check that out. You can oh, find I out by clicking in on blackandgoldbanneret.com. That's right. Bing. Thank you. Thank you for the plug. And yes, you can write articles, even though you're not on site at the games. That's the beauty of writing content. Uh, (laughs) That'll do it for this episode. Uh, Thank you, Bryson. Thank you, Nick. And uh, thank you, Kyle. Uh, Jeff may be back with us at some point. We know this. You can hear him on the PA on Saturday. Uh, I'm Eric Lopez. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of Night Show. An honor, joy, and privilege, ladies and gentlemen. But until next time, class. Dismissed.